So, so I mean, now that um, the COVID thing's all done, and all li- done, yeah, life's you know, life is back to normal sure. for everybody. Um, what's next? Is, is it going to be? Uh, well, the party continues it's back to normal, right? Back to normal, and we can all forget about it and just get on with our normal lives. Right? Yeah, no problem. Back to the old normal. Yeah. yeah. No, it'll be even better. Remember, they've built back better. Right. This is better than the old normal. It is? The new normal is just, yeah, everything's fine. We'll build back Everything's up. fine, plus extras. Yeah. I think a lot of people disagree with you. No. One. Yeah. They really shouldn't. Are, they shouldn't? I think, I think a lot I'm of people disagree. I'm the talk show host. I know what's yeah. going on. You do? So whatever <laughs> you say is true. No, uh, I think a lot of people, yeah, aren't, aren't uh, feeling it, aren't feeling the, the good vibes, uh, even if they think everything's... You know, kind of soon going to be over. Let's say from because you know most people are vaccinated, and you've um, always got some wingers though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think people have a lot of uh, not just some. I think it's everybody. I think a lot of people. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people out there are feeling uh, some grievance. No, feeling that there's something, some rough beast is slouching its way, not towards Bethlehem, but. Over the entire world, you know, um, there's de- definitely a sense of insecurity and fear. Of course, you could put that on the whole 18 months. It might take a while to get over that. But uh, as we'll see, there's um, there's a lot of reason to be concerned. Um, no, yeah, there is. about Not about COVID and vaccinations, although that's something to be concerned about. But uh, in, the, and, and in the near future, what might come out or around uh, vaccinations, as we, talk, as we talked previously, on the show about um, potential problems with the entire vaccination campaign and what it could produce and what it is producing potentially in a lot of people and what's being covered up uh, from a rushed vaccine, rushed experimental vaccine um, administered to a large percentage of the world's population. Yeah, how many people? Uh, half? Probably. Four billion? Yeah, yeah, probably. That's amazing. Probably half the world's population at this point. Well, it depends. I mean, kids, most kids are left out, but, you know, that's under 12, you know, for the most part aren't vaccinated, but uh, everybody over 12. Um, but it's spotty. In the Western world, yes, a high uptake. China, obviously, a fairly high uptake. China announced mm-hmm. that they had vaccinated 1 billion people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's already 1 billion right there. In China. Although they're changing their definition, just like in the West. They're talking about boosters and what they're changing the definition of what it is to be quote fully vaccinated. So there's a similar yeah yeah game going on there. Yeah, but what about the effects of the past eighteen months? Because that, that's what people really felt. I mean, it's not the vaccinations, but it's the effects of eighteen months of on-off lockdown and the effect on the economy. People at the time, quite early on, were sounding the alarm about the potential, you know, pretty bad effects from uh, the, the the shutdown of yeah. the virtual shutdown of the economies. And we were. We were, well, other people obviously notice as well. It's yeah. fairly, it's it's a fairly obvious thing, you know. I mean, people immediately see all of the, sh- the stores in their city and their town, or most of them, shut down. They go, yeah. well, "What's this going to do to the economy?" You know, um, there hasn't been any obvious direct effects on the economy uh, so far, uh, although there's the first signs of maybe uh, some pretty negative effects that are, are yet to be seen. Yeah. No. Um 
my lame attempt at sarcasm aside, the dashboard is flashing red all over the place. Um, you first pointed it to me, and once I started looking, um, the explosion in media reports in the last, really it's just in the last week. Well, yeah. I've, yeah, it's been going on a while. Mm. You know, but really, in the last week, yeah. going back. But in the last week, it's crazy. Um, specifically about uh, rising energy prices mm -hmm. and knock-on effects from that into primarily food, but other commodities as well. Yeah, we have a quick. We can do a quick video here. It's from actually from Bloomberg. It's the the Twitter quick take, which is a minute or two of uh, a roundup of um, what's going on according to the mainstream media, basically. And of course, you know, they're not fully appraised of, of what's really going on. So let's uh, talk specifically about Europe's energy crunch, um, which you may not have heard about, but it's a thing. So um, have, a, have a listen to this. Energy prices in the UK and Europe keep hitting record after record, and the fundamentals of the energy crisis don't look good, which suggests that this could continue to drag on. Now, when we're talking about energy in the region, we're talking about two things mostly. That's gas and wind. For one, there just hasn't been a lot of wind, so that output has been extremely low. At the same time, inventory for gas has been low, too. We don't have that buildup that you usually want heading into the winter when there's more demand for heating and thus more use of gas. All of that has translated to, in the UK, for example, prices that are 10 times higher than they were at this point last year. And it's been a pretty mild September, so the fear is what happens when it gets cold and you need more of that energy. Check this part. Now, it's a really fragile market, so it could reverse should there be more wind or a very mild winter. But in the meantime, there are economic consequences. Two fertilization plants in the UK had to shut down because of the high energy prices. There's fear from Goldman Sachs that you could see more industry blackout. And politicians trying to fight the potential higher cost to consumers, which of course has an economic impact along with the inflation it might bring with it. But if it's an economic slowdown with those higher prices, the word stagflation now starting to creep into the conversation. Stagflation. Let's go back there to... Uh Go back to the reindeer there, Scott. As an economic opportunity. Now it's really fragile. Ah, uh, stop. I thought it was a red nose. I assume you wish Rudolph. it was a red nose. It is Rudolph. He's got a mask on. Uh, that must be from last Christmas. I guess I guess for normies, that's a, a joke. It's funny. It's funny. Super it's funny. funny. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you notice that they said they're um, wind. Energy, energy is basically gas and wind. Yeah, as, as if in, they're you know anywhere near the same level. But is that climate change? Is can we blame the lack of wind on climate change? Sure, you can blame anything on climate change. Okay, all right, just checking. So climate <laughs> change did, is, is slowing down the wind as well. Damn climate change. Damn humans. Humans and their cars and their carbon footprint and the lack of wind. It may be a factor, but it's. Oh, well, come on, it has to be. It's time. Surely there's a model you could do for that. You could model the wind around it's, the globe. You know, it's a fairly simple idea, right? It just blows. It's fairly simple, and you could show a human being and carbon dioxide blocking the wind or something like that, no? I could do a graph of that. Anyway. Um, so it's our fault, they'll say, because the wind isn't blowing. To yeah. blow the wind turbines that was put in place right. at our cost. Yeah. Because it was our fault. Mm-hmm. So it's just our fault. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, at wind turbines use for electricity grid in Europe is like 
So whatever. That's not the thing. The thing is gas prices. That's yeah. that's actually changed. That's you know quantifiable, exploding in price. And uh, why? Mm. She gave a hint there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, the inventories going into winter are unusually low. They're not like abysmally low, but they're basically storage tanks ahead of winter are not filled as much as they might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That's a factor, but why had prices exploded? Um, yeah. 10, 20, 30, 40%. It depends. It's not even a country country basis. It depends on the sector that's using it, industry or household goods. Um, and also geography is a factor yeah. where, where you are. But uh, yeah, across the board, I don't know. It's something high. A 30% increase in the price of... Um, oh, more. God, it's even more in some places. The UK and Ireland separately this week, governments there warned that household average, the average household bill for fuel alone will increase 400 pounds in the UK, 400 euros in Ireland. I mean, that's a huge increase. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's more than if you already spend, let's say, a small house. I mean, let's say you're, you're on a fixed income, a state pension, the elderly. Mm-hmm. How much they spend over a whole winter, all subsidies and so on taken into account, probably about 400 euros. Yeah. So they're being told it's gone up 100% effectively. Yeah, for you. you won't be able to afford energy. And they're saying, the whole thing is if there's a, if, if there's a cold winter, this, win, this, this, this coming winter, if it's particularly cold, be high energy demands, <clears throat> and uh, that'll be the, the problem. Although the, the prices go up anyway. I think but they may, go, anyway. they, may go, they may go up even more. Uh, so yeah, this. So you said elderly on pensions. Yeah, one of the other people were, were meant to be protecting, right? Protect the elderly. But this is kind of like because obviously protect the elderly was the whole COVID thing, the whole COVID mantra. Uh, but this is. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of suggestion, or at least as part of the the reason, or suggested as part of the reason for our high energy prices, high gas prices, is because of lockdowns. Because there was a drop off or instability or insecurity around demand for you know, gas prices across the board. I mean, they shut down economies. Everybody was like, "Well, what, what's going to go here? Is this going to be permanent? Is how is this going to affect uh, you know economies? How is it going to affect demand for 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 all sorts of businesses and people's lives? Basically, the, all of society that relies on energy, i.e., in, in, in a lot of cases, gas." For it to run, if you shut it down, you're gonna there's gonna be a reduction in demand for gas. So, uh, the, and and maybe there was a, a slight reduction in, the, in in demand for gas, but it created a lot of ins, insecurity or instability in the market. And then now that it's come back online, the demand has increased. And as with everything, for some weird economic reason, anytime there's an increased demand for something, the prices go up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of price gouging, right? It's it's like profiteering. Yeah. yeah, attempting to get as much money out of a out of need, basically, you know. Um, it was just a bit on the wind, though, because wind is in some places a significant amount uh, uh, of, of of the production. Not a significant, but enough to make a difference. If you just put, put up that one, I I just sent you there, Scotty. Um, <laughs> the wind stops blowing. Um, energy prices in Europe have hit records due to a shortage of natural gas and much lower than expected wind power output. According to the Wall Street Journal, <clears throat> some countries have been forced to restart coal power plants. <laughs> coal power plants, climate change. Mm. Okay. Anyway, it's it's all fine to ensure enough electricity reaches consumers. 
The next part is kind of funny. The UK is suffering the most from the drop in wind power output caused by mild weather, the country which prides itself on its wind capacity and whose Prime Minister last year said wind farms could power every home by 2030. It actually produced less than one gigawatt of wind power on several days compared to a generation capacity of 24 gigawatts. So, um, yeah, although it's a small amount in, in a lot of countries, although in the UK it's, it's significantly more than, than the average, um, it's, uh, it still has an effect, you know what I mean? If, okay. you, if you don't have a way to replace it, you know? Yeah. Um, and wholesale gas prices in Europe uh, surged as much as 450% over the past year. Um, so, yeah. Um, the effect of this, though, is also on um, on food production, uh, especially for gas. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else? Do you have any? Is there any other explanation as to what the the cause? Because I just mentioned the COVID pandemic, lockdowns, causing instability in the gas supply market. Are there any other reasons that that are being given as to why? There's this increase in gas in particular. Cause yes, the Financial Times has a conspiracy theory that it's Russia's no fault. Really? Um, because the <clears throat> storage of gas, the levels of storage are lower than normal. And they did claim to have done some forensics and found that if you look at the specific which facilities they are across the EU, invariably they're ones owned by Gazprom themselves and not run by the state right. energy companies in each EU country. They claim that Gazprom is up to something mm -hmm. by not restocking, resupplying Europe because that was their counter to Russia responding to claims that they're uh, at, at fault here somehow in energy spike, uh, these price spike in gas right. prices in Europe because they said, no, no, we've, we're fulfilling all of our contract obligations. Right. We're not price gouging anyone here or not doing anything untoward but they went they said they went a little deeper and they found evidence that uh that so that was but this they would didn't be shout it too loudly this i think they they uh, probably know this would be a fulfillment of the prophecy of of how russia has always had malign intentions towards europe and is trying to destroy europe and this would be one way that it could do it right but yeah. you can really see this coming online if we have some kind of a a serious which is very likely, I think, at this point, uh, this winter and into you know into next year, if we have some kind of an energy crisis, uh, Russia will definitely be in the crosshairs for the blame, right? According to the mystery media, I mean, they've been accused of so many other things. Why not accuse them of of, of, of being behind this deliberate uh, starving of Europe of, of a gas prices? But at the same time, you'd have to everybody would have to remember if that were to happen that. Nord Stream 2, which is a Russian gas pipeline from Russia directly over the Baltic into Germany, which was has been in the, in the works for a long time and has been delayed, delayed, delayed over and over again because America didn't want it to happen. And America's US governments and uh, their allies in Europe stonewalled it and pushed it back and, and tried to stop it at all costs uh, simply for geopolitical reasons. Um, had nothing to do with actually any, any real interest in, in securing energy supplies for Europe and stuff. Germany, though, seems to have prevailed in terms of saying, no, this is something that makes sense. We need to get it. And it's now finished for the past couple of weeks. But it's going to take three or four months uh, to for the German regulator to agree to make sure that the gas, I don't know, looks right, smells right, whatever. Some some regulatory, regulatory uh, protocols 
uh, have to be approved by the German regulator, and that can take four months. So the gas line is done, finished, ready to be opened to supply uh, a significant percentage of, of Europe's uh, gas needs, but um, it's still being delayed. Now, whether it, actu- whether it will actually come online, I suppose it will eventually. Uh, I don't think they'll go as far as to actually cancel it now. It's more or less a done deal. But it's interesting that this was, like I said, has been delayed. Uh, it could have been online and working already right now uh, and, and serving a, a useful purpose in the aftermath of lockdowns, but it's not, and it's not yet, and it won't be probably until at least the end of this year or maybe uh, even the beginning of next year. Yeah. Um, it's a big It's a big factor. I mean, geopolitical considerations are definitely in play because... In the kind of in the meta globalist ideal world, we collectively cope with crises of whatever types by the fact that we're so interdependent on each other that a crisis in one area, geographically or sector wise, can be t- t- you know tidied over mm-hmm. with support from coming in from here. Yeah through deals, <clears throat> multilateral cooperation, and mm. so on and so forth. So you have indeed got, that is genuinely part of the ethos as to why this whole thing has to come crashing down on our heads before now. At the same time, there's a, a th- other extreme, there's antagonisms, geopolitical considerations, you know. Yeah, so um, per- geopolitical is just a, another word for personal power politics, basically, and it always has been. It's about individuals, groups of individuals, impositions of power, in, particularly in the West, I mean, geopolitics was, I mean, it's a general term, but in terms of the, of the last, of the 20th century and the last 20 years, geopolitics describes primarily America and the West, the Anglosphere's attempt to control, to maintain uh, control over as much of the world as possible and to expand it, if at all possible, and push back against uh, their their peers, their, their peer uh, competitors, Russia, China in particular. Yeah. Um, so it would be it would be nice in a globalized world. You would think that you shouldn't have that kind of geopolitics, i.e., antagonism from one side against the other, in order to maintain their hegemony, because at an economic level they're all dependent on each other. Mm-hmm. And Nord Stream two, Russian gas to Europe, uh, Chinese delivery of pretty much everything, everything. to uh, to the whole world would suggest that you need good relationships. But recently, I mean. Not just recent. I mean, it's been going on for for a few years now. But the U.S., especially under the Biden administration, seems to be ramping up the anti-Chinese rhetoric. I mean, to the point that the Winter Olympics are in Beijing next year, early next year, and uh, Pelosi and Co. are all lobbying everyone in the U.S. Capitol, all politicians, that none of them should go from a moral point of view. That mm. they cannot. Uh, go uh, to be seen to be entering Beijing and, and representing anybody from the West at, the, at these at these Olympic Games because um, well, it's just morally <coughs> morally reprehensible because China and they don't really say because Uyghurs Hong Kong you know that kind of stuff and other stuff they even say that and other things going on human rights abuses everyone knows abuses. yeah well, I, but, e- I don't even need to justify it yeah so it's kind of weird that they would they think they can get away with that with having economic cooperation, good economic cooperation, uh, while also pissing off the people that you want to cooperate economically with. How does that that work? I don't know. Um, Two other things to consider. Um, It's been mentioned a lot in financial press and energy press like oilprice.com. The 
they say that the sudden rebound in demand in Asia was higher than expected. Yeah. Specifically, China's growth continued like roaring. So China needs to stop growing, no? China's, yeah, China's too, these sort of between the lines, well, China's a bit greedier than we thought. And it's taking, it's hogging a bit too much. And that's why supply uh, and therefore prices are an issue in the West. Yeah. Um, another well, thing that it is not, um, they say, oh God, I can't remember what it is now. Anyway, that's one more thing they threw in the mix. Yeah. Well, I mean, so we've talked about energy prices. Just put up that link I just sent you, Scotty. Um, we've talked about energy prices, so electricity, cost of electricity, cost of natural gas, to heat your home, to light your home, to basically you know provide electricity and heating and all that kind of stuff for your house. Prices are going to go up, and not only prices are going to go up or are already going up, but also you may there may be blackouts. You may actually, you know, and that's the kind of, I suppose, a, a worse case, a more more bad case scenario. Uh, where not only would your prices go up, but you would also have blackouts of, of of supply, so you can't heat your home. You don't have electricity. But in terms of the actual energy, the the way that so that's that's light electricity, whatever heating. But there's also food is directly implicated in this because it's weird how it's how it's connected. Because you think of natural gas as home heating, right, um, and heating for businesses and that kind of stuff. But it's also directly implicated in the preservation and supply of food from everything, vegetables, fruit. Uh, and meat because yeah for both transport and storage so they're racing to ministers in the UK are racing to avert food shortages after high gas prices forced most of Britain's commercial production of carbon dioxide shut down so carbon dioxide produced from natural gas uh, holding emergency talks with a series of energy chiefs to help companies well an unprecedented spike in gas and electricity prices so there's a link there between the two because uh, carbon dioxide is used to preserve food if you don't have they have it in these big warehouses and they pump uh, carbon dioxide in to preserve the food for a longer period of time because your food doesn't come directly from the farm right most people should know that there's food in your supermarket uh, that has been sitting in warehouses for however long beforehand and preserved with carbon dioxide which is a direct uh, directly produced by natural gas so if you don't have natural gas you can't produce carbon dioxide. You can't produce food. Food uh, rots. It doesn't get supplied to the supermarkets and the supermarket shelves. The other thing is um, fertilizer. Uh, most people would know. Maybe that I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't know. But natural gas again is 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 used to produce ammonia fertilizer ultimately. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you don't have natural gas. You can't produce ammonia fertilizer. Uh, farmers can't uh, fertilize their crops. And we don't get any food, basically. So, um, yeah, uh, actually, we'll just we'll just throw that one up. Uh, That's in the UK. Yeah, there were two well. two of their major producers of fertilizers had to shut down for good. Right. And you can't just restart those like next week. Oh, we need some new competition. Come on over here and restart. Yeah. That's two long-term facilities, effectively utilities. I mean, mm-hmm. they might be private companies, but when they close down, you got a headache. Just in that sector, which, of course, as just just explained, has knock-on effects. Yeah. The other aspect was the pandemic, quote-unquote, pandemic led to a lot of people staying at home, locked in their homes, uh, ordering online. Um, and uh, that required, uh, caused a need, and you've probably heard about this in the UK, but it's also the case in the US and probably other countries where... A lot of people are buying online. Uh, food's being delivered to their houses, so they need delivery 
drivers and they have a significant shortage of delivery drivers yeah. in both uh, Europe and the US to it's kind of weird because it's not so it's not just for online ordering it, it seems to be impacting all sorts of delivery delivery to supermarkets as well to restaurants to restaurants and so it's um so that could also impact delivery to to supermarkets and availability of food in the supermarket when you don't have enough uh, drivers uh there must be another reason why um Maybe maybe the Amazon type uh, and, and different uh, companies like that that are, had an increase in their online orders. They stole a lot of the delivery drivers. They're offering better uh, terms than delivery drivers for big supermarkets or something, something like that. But it could be that a lot of people just left. I mean, COVID had this weird effect. The whole, or not COVID, but the lockdowns, mm. the ridiculous lockdowns, had this weird effect of it seems I've had this weird effect of causing a lot of people just to kind of like give up and change their change change what they were doing with their lives basically you know give up their jobs and go somewhere else you know and of course there's a certain amount of course it's not that many because 80 percent of people are vaccinated in the UK but there's still 20 percent there who uh, are maybe leaving their jobs and changing jobs because they're required to be vaccinated so that's another little impact there's a lot of little things that are contributing to create a, a kind of bigger problem here you know um so it was mentioned earlier i can't remember which report we looked at the blackout the potential for energy for power cuts um specifically that comes via goldman sachs report that bloomberg reported this week this is what the goldman sachs analyst said under such an outcome the only balancing okay so backtrack oh there it is thanks scotty um goldman warns of blackout risk now, when you read that, you go, oh, gosh, it could be, you know, accidental or maybe necessary, but how on earth would it happen? Well, he's saying because demand is too high, specifically, i.e., there's people want to get back. There's going to be too much demand for it. There isn't enough supply, hence prices are high. So mm -hmm. he's looking at it in a classical supply and demand. So he's like, well, we need to fix the problem. And his solution to the problem is brutal. He says... Is it there? I think it's further down in the article, but I'll read out what he wrote. Under such an outcome, the only balancing mechanism would be a significant further rally in European and gas um, and power prices. Reflective of the need to destroy demand with curtailed power demand in the industrial sector through blackouts. So that's financial ease for we're going to have to deliberately cause blackouts to suppress demand and bring right. prices back down. Mm -hmm. So he's looking at it from the financial, well, it's okay, it's a supply and demand issue. Well, it's Basically, fine. We'll just to wean people off yeah. electricity, getting them used to... And bring the mar market back into where it should be. Right, which is a, a great reset, <laughs> a, a readjustment it's, of people's consumption of energy yeah. by starving Brilliant. them of it, getting them used to not having so much so they do a lot less. I'm sure they're modeling all sorts of stuff there. But chickens, like, I mean, the thing is, chickens, Scotty, you know, I mean, what do we do without chickens? What are we going to do with the chick? What do you mean with chickens? What are we going to do without chickens? Or without them? Yeah. No, ga no mean, gas, no chickens. Well, you can look, you look it up, and I mean, there's so many things. Chicken shortage sends prices soaring, and restaurants can't keep up. That's, you know, they put that down to, I mean, again, supply... There's all this weird stuff that nobody has really looked at uh, in, in any detail, but there's the back end of the supply of an awful lot of things has been directly affected by the past 
uh, 18 mm. months of ridiculous draconian government uh, punitive measures against the population, against society, against uh, you know business and the and the economy, and um, it's it's there, there's so many different things you can you can look up uh, if you just do a search for kind of like you know um, food shortage or shortage in whatever, and you'll find a, a bunch of different things. I mean, building materials. Yeah, we covered that before a couple of months ago. Um, what they were saying about that was, well, there was such a huge demand during the lockdown because people had free time and they were spending more time either refurbishing their homes or moving and or right. building new homes. But that isn't, again, alone that won't explain it. Yeah. Because if there's increased demand, the market will surely be able to supply. Mm-hmm. Because that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pressure to growth. That can only encourage the development of the other business. Mm-hmm. But it's having the paradoxical effect where increased demand in any given area is producing increased shortages, you know? Yeah. Um, what else have we got? Um, <clears throat> just the global nature of it. So New Zealand, which had a relatively mild series of lockdowns compared with other Western countries. Mm-hmm. Same, same issue there. Building lumber up 150% in prices. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 they're blaming shipping, the high cost in shipping. That is another thing that's just off the charts. Uh, do we have a screenshot of a report on shipping? I think it was the last one I sent you, Scotty. The, um, the price it costs now to ship a container, for example, from China to North America, has gone up something like 1,000%. Just from last month, the global trade. Why do why do global shipping costs continue to skyrocket? Again, it's a useful article. It's analytical. It's kind of it can list you ten things as to why. But I even get a sense from these people who write in the financial and trade press that they themselves are not quite satisfied with their own explanations. I mean. Well, the example I was going to give, I don't think it's mentioned in this article, but there are, you can look it up. It's um, uh, something like tenfold, twelvefold, and more. So if a shipping container, if it costs you like $1,000 to pay for a shipping container, and you, then you yourself are subcontract to many suppliers who are buyers of goods mm-hmm. importers, in that container, then you pass those costs on to the end-user buyers. But those people, middlemen, who actually bid for and buy the shipping container from points A to C through B, whatever it Mm -hmm. is, are saying, holy smokes, (laughs) it's going to cost me how much? It's gone up between 2019 and now 10 and 12 times in cost. Um, Reasons. It's bizarre for different reasons. Um, But they all come back to the dislocation, the disruption of the lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, again, there are paradoxical things at work. So you would think if a shipping industry basically came to a halt, it didn't ever really, but let's say it did, it substantially froze like everything else because of the lockdowns. Do you remember in lockdowns that there was a big backlog of, of containers? Offshore, that? yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sitting offshore. That right there tells you, okay, there's a glut, an excess of supply. Prices mm. should surely come down and then be reintroduced and off they go back up again. Mm-hmm. That's not what's happened. Mm-hmm. They just exploded. Um, I don't know if it's the uncertainty, increased insurance costs, there mm-hmm. are knock-on effects. It's not just that they're all price mm-hmm. gouging. That's mm-hmm. definitely going on, but there's more to it. 
they're having to pay more for insurance. Um, the 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 workers there's a labor issue at ports, same as anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And China, they're doing the same thing. They, I mentioned it last week, they got a zero COVID policy. A Chinese, the third largest port on the earth, was shut down for a week or something last month yeah. because a worker tested positive mm. for a variant of the COVID. Yeah. I mean, if you shut down. <laughs> You know what I mean? These, that's an ongoing decisions. effect. Never mind that they've had lockdown and we're now trying to renormalize. Yeah. If you're still interfering in normal market supply mm -hmm. with uh, a pandemic, by the way, pandemic is mentioned in a number of the British articles this week. Yeah, it was. They acknowledged that the lockdowns were a massive disruptor. Uh, they furthermore, British reports, like those ones we saw from the Times, say, yeah, it was the lockdown and the pandemic. You know, yeah. that caused the oops. Um, yeah. So it, it, it cost a lot of businesses had to pay a lot of money as well as a result of those of all those COVID measures. They actually mentioned that that a lot of bigger, bigger supermarket chains, the amount the cost that they had to invest in all of the you know, cleaning and, um, you know, what do you call it, protective gear and all that kind of stuff and extra, you know, staffing for, for checking people and all that kind of stuff and then having staff furloughed and uh, it cost them a lot of money, you know. Um, there's a good, though, I mean, there's a good there's a good article. I don't like to say this very much. There's a good article in CNN, but it's CNN Business, so give me a break. It's CNN Business. Get used to, this is from a month ago. Getting used, get used to surging food prices, extreme weather is here to stay. So obviously they spin it as, as climate change, which is which is true in the sense it's just the origin of climate change. Of course the climate is kind of like gone a bit fluey. Nobody with any sense is going to disagree with that. But, you know, devastating heat, debilitating droughts, crippling frost, whatever. It's a whole lot, right? Winter, summer, it doesn't matter. Creating nightmares for farmers around the world. Arab Arabica coffee... <laughs> Shock horror have almost doubled over the past year to seven years high as Brazil grappled with frost conditions. Sugar prices, sugar and coffee. Oh my God, what are we going to do? Uh, that's all right for you to say. Yeah. You don't drink coffee. I know, yeah. I'm thinking about all you coffee drinkers. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's the end of the world. There's a lot of people like. out there are getting nervous right now. Yeah, they need to go and get themselves a cup of coffee to calm their nerves. Uh, extreme weather, food price spikes demonstrate extreme weather, much of it caused by climate crisis is having real world impact on Americans. Uh, if you just scroll on down, well, there's a graph there, extreme weather driving prices higher. You see increased 56% in, in, in prices right. of different, oh, it's just sugar and coffee. Uh, yeah, a little bit further down. Um, severe weather events have contributed to natural catastrophe loss of 40 billion during the first half of 2020 alone, according to, according to Swiss Re, a reinsurance company. That's what you, insurance company uh, that you were mentioning. Yeah. Second highest amount on record. Uh, but they also admit not all extreme weather is caused by climate crisis. La Nina, so that's a little, at least a little admission that it's not all, uh, it's not all driven by humans. Uh, some of which have nothing to do with climate change. Uh, just down a little bit. The next headline, the next day, so heading. For instance, some food inflation is being ca caused by a shortage of workers, including in the agricultural sector, amid the pandemic, and the Trump administration's crackdown on immigration. Well, you're seeing a, a, an agenda, a political agenda entering in. Transportation costs are also high because of elevated oil prices and a shortage of truck drivers, not to mention elevated packaging costs. Consumer prices soared 5.4%. Um, then this guy, a senior analyst at somewhere, I've been in the industry for 38 years and this is the highest we've ever seen inflation go up in our company. 
uh, operation at New York Supermarket Morton Williams. Sorry. Uh, it's incredible how many things are going up now. And then down the next headline, next uh, subheading, 93% of wheat in poor condition in Washington State. Now, this is something that's happening across the world. You can look it up yourself, look, for, look up for crop failures or, or harvest failures, or whatever, or crop conditions, whatever. Um, 11% of spring wheat across six U.S. states is in good to excellent condition. That's down from 69% one year ago. That's a pretty big drop right there. 93% of spring wheat is in poor or very poor condition because of droughts in Washington state. Uh, and then complete crop failure, more than 95% of the western part of the United States is currently in some level of drought. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Coffee and sugar prices on the rise, pretty much what was said before. The interesting thing about, about that is... Same know, in Western Europe. Yeah, and here's how you kind of link it together in a sense um, the wildfires right wildfires in in California but in many other places as well over the past you know this year and previous years have you know been getting worse but <laughs> you just see the same thing over and over again if you look at that link as you sent to there Scotty uh, the wildfires Firefighters are having trouble putting out wildfires because of supply chain right, issues. I.e., and that includes uh, fuel for the aviation fuel for the for the planes dropping water, water or fires hardened or whatever. But also, actually, people being able to get to. I mean, they go into some detail there in that article where they actually say that the guys that they ship in, firefighters that they ship in to help battle the fire, um, are having trouble getting on planes. Because of the reduction in, in, in flights because of COVID, and they're also having problems then when they get when they get to their destination because they fly on, you know, maybe they buy them a flight in a commercial airline, they get there, but then they have to rent a car, and they and they're still having trouble renting cars, have availability of rent car, car rentals as well because of COVID. Do you well, know what I mean? So like, it's just, that's car, like car rental companies folded, yeah, or shed. Most of their fleets, right? But that's an example of the minutiae. We can look at it from yeah. broad scale stuff. You know, big energy prices and shipping around the world and all that kind of stuff, or shipment of, of food around the world. But then you have a little example of that: how everything is being made worse. Everything is being has been made more difficult, and some of it really, you know, kind of crucial stuff. Obviously, f the supply of food, but also if you're trying to battle a fire, it's not you know the little details of actually getting people to an area in order to fight the fire is, has become more difficult because of government's, the government's response to a bullshit pandemic of essentially, you know, just screwing over society, like like throwing a, a, a monkey wrench in, in the works of, of society. And it has so many different effects across the board that it's just, and it's, this is just beginning, we're only seeing small signs of it, do you know what I mean? It's, a, it's fairly well controlled at this at this point, although it's, it's causing a lot of mayhem. But... Um, I get the impression that this is snowballing. There's something coming that 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 the worst of of the effect of the last eighteen months is yet to be seen. Yeah, it's yet to manifest, um, and that it will, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be seen much more clearly uh, this this winter uh, in the northern hemisphere at least. But then, you know, what's the northern hemisphere? It's like the free world, right? It's it's the first world. It's 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 the empire. Uh, if things go wrong there, then everybody else. Uh, no matter where you are, southern hemisphere, northern hemisphere gets gets into big trouble, you know. So um, I don't know what 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 do we do about it? 
what should people do about it? What should they do about it? Um, That's a good question, no? Uh, hoard stuff, which won't fix the problem. No. But they got to start looking out for number one, in a sense, you know? Um, I mean, you know, people know what to do. Like when the governments told them to panic in March 2020, they went straight for toilet paper. Yep. We laughed about it, but that was one thing to consider. One thing, but you can't eat toilet paper, you know. But for an ongoing cascading crisis in which it's going to be, you know, more than toilet paper that's going to go short, you need to be thinking, what have I got? What are my basic energy sources? What are my basic needs? Um, what do I do if this, you know? And obviously, you can overthink it. There are some people who are, you know, probably going too far with it, but, you know. There are a few, you know, but not enough people are taking this seriously because they they're so we're so used to just in time delivery. <laughs> you can't blame them, you know. We're we're an affluent society. Everything's just been so so, and we like it so so, and we're a demanding bunch at yeah. this point. Um, we've had it very easy for so long. There, there's a there's something that connects this and that extends back before lockdowns, and it's the, the culture informed by certain ideas neoliberalism is the theory of economics you know keep inflation low mm. allow for a little unemployment you know just in time everything mm -hmm. maximize efficiency by the time this pandemic hit in quotes or was announced was hit on people <laughs> depending on where you affix agency to with the situation. The time the government declared a pandemic. Right. We were in peak monopoly. Hmm. The, the economy, according to their theory, supply and demand will fix all our issues. Hmm. You know how Americans especially, mm -hmm. like that was a mantra for decades. Mm -hmm. Everyone else will come to see the light as we see it. Mm -hmm. And that's great. It works in theory, but that's not how the world has worked in practice. Mm -hmm. The pandemic ar arrived at the time of peak monopoly. Mm -hmm. What I mean is the supply chain in any given sector, in any given part of the world, Strained. was a string owned by one company. Mm. Not literally, but heavily or a few companies, conglomerates of mm -hmm. massive mega corporations that have budgets bigger than, you know, 20 African countries combined. So it comes, and there is no, no longer a mechanism that can correct for shocks, mm -hmm. supply shocks, demand shocks, whatever shocks. Mm -hmm. Something's come along, oh God, oh, we all need to hunker down for a while, but it's okay because when we restart, yeah. You'll start trading with him, you'll start trading with them, and off we go. Yeah. Part of the reason, and it was explained by the shipping container companies, that they can't just reboot. Okay, well, I've got empty shipping containers here. You want stuff shipped over there. Well, why don't we just trade? It's because the whole market in any given area is owned by these massive predatory companies and behind them often by massive predatory vulture capitalists who, who kind of have hot money. They come in and out of their ownership of these massive firms mm -hmm. and they can threaten to dish the money and run. Mm -hmm. And they have rules and you know ideas that, that hinder anyone's ability to come in and just go, oh, well, the environment has changed. So now I can step in and 
you've got a need. I can supply that need, and mm. off we go trading. Yeah, no, Instead, no. everyone's frozen in a world dominated by predatory, extreme forms of predatory capitalism. Right, and you're going to rely on those people to care about. And then the, you, yeah, those people are going to go. Oh, look at that! There's a need, and most importantly, in the theory of, of this, their favorite theory of economics, is that when a need arises, there will be pressure on the companies from outside to rush in and fill it. Why? Because otherwise they'll lose to the competition. Mm -hmm. But if, but if no you're a monopoly of the supply chain, there is, no competition. there is no bloody competition. And there's no motive to, uh, yeah. The pandemic didn't affect you. You just put your legs up and watch, binge watch Netflix for three, three months. I was fine, Jack. There was no, nobody, I didn't have to worry that anyone was coming in to take my marketplace. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So everything was already effed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, or set up to yeah. So, it's it's and it can work in that way with with those massive monopolies until like like we're saying there becomes a, a kind of global crisis of many different in many different of many different aspects uh, of of supply or you know a, a real world crisis where there's like we've been saying where there's crops have been hit crop yields are way down uh, energy energy supply is you know is for whatever reason, is reduced or whatever. It's like at that point, uh, like you were saying, there's no comp competition to come in and, and fulfill, to, 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 to fill, fill the gap. And, uh, and on the part of the people who are only kind of, or the monopolies on these, uh, on these different commodities or different uh, areas of, of industry, you're going to really rely on them to like have a, have a bleeding heart and care about the population. Those people care only by the, almost by the definition, almost by the fact that, are, that, they're, that they're monopolies really only care about themselves and their own their own self interest, their own yeah. uh, their own financial bottom line, right? So it's it's really you just don't want you don't want to be a member of the population say entirely dependent on government or authorities and all of their industrial and financial whatever backers to to, to take care of you. Because they're not, you know? I mean there has to be always have to maintain a certain level of taking care of yourself. I mean you're a fool if you if you're gonna rely on government. That's what people have been doing over the past 18 months and that's why we we've been complaining about is people being far too dependent on government for yeah and, know, and for, i would to, say to, to you learn that how to live their lives i i'm as shocked as anyone else by the extent of it to actually see it but in hindsight i would say to you we can understand how they were already that dependent yeah. beforehand because of the way things have been set up for yeah a couple of decades at least, at least to yeah. the extent that, that it is yeah, now. Yeah, been primed, yep. It's an abusive relationship and, you know, uh, but there's an interest just on the energy spike price, uh, energy prices spike, there's, uh, if you put up that Times article that I sent you earlier on at the beginning, Scotty, with the, that go together, the Times dot code UK energy prices spike after national grid fire, um, I sent it to you at the very beginning, I said these three go together. Um, Two, uh, two, uh, two links on a picture. Sunday Times? No, Times.co.uk, yeah. Oh, dear. Why anyway, there it is. You can put it up if you can't find um, There's that one. Um, energy prices soar off the national grid. Fire shuts down power cable. Now, the interesting thing about this is that... 15, that was... And uh, this is another reason why, I mean, we were talking earlier on about why the energy prices are soaring. This is one example. Um, yeah, September 15th, so just four days ago, 
uh, gas prices spiked to all times high, all time highs, as a fire shut down a power cable with Britain, left even more reliant on burning gas for electricity, raising fears of a looming energy crunch. Everything raises fears of a looming energy crunch. Um, so this is basically, I mean, it's not the only thing. It's, in reading that article, you would think it's the only thing that caused the energy prices to spike, but uh, as you've said, it's not. That's just one extra factor, and it's basically uh, a fire at the substation um, that of, of a you know that connects a cable that runs on anything this channel between France and the, and, and, and Britain um, that supplies energy from or electricity from France to the UK. Now the UK has only a few uh, nuclear power plants. France has loads. France produces a crap load of uh, electricity via nuclear power. It's a lot of nuclear power plants. And it supplies different European countries when they need it. Now, uh, yeah, don't put that one up yet. Go back to the other one. Go back, yeah. Uh, so energy prices, so, so the, if you put up the picture, actually, do you have the picture, uh, uh, the JPEG? So this is, the the picture is the cable, or is it running from France into the UK? So there's a fire at one end there in the UK, and it's shut down for a while. I don't know if it's back online yet or not. Maybe it is back online, but it's running at half capacity that supplies electricity to the UK. And that simple fact of that reduction in that supply caused energy prices to go up. So suddenly, so when there's a, when there's an increase in demand, energy prices go up. When there's a reduction in supply, energy prices go up. Sure. <laughs> no matter what happens, energy prices go up, right? Unless it's stable, all you know, for a long period of time, it's the prices are going to go up. But so that's just another another explanation as to why you have this increase in energy prices. It's only a, probably a small factor, but it gives you an example of how anything can tip it, uh, a, a tip that finely balanced system in in the wrong direction. But it was that's a cable, right? An electricity cable undersea. Uh, but I thought it was interesting that that so the New York Post one then that came out just in the past couple of days was interesting because it coincided with this fire. Uh, a Russian spy ship that can cut undersea cables was spotted in the English Channel. So the Brits all got a bit uh, worked up about this, obviously, as they do any time, any Russian ship. Uh, or even if they if they saw a Mas- Matryoshka doll floating down the English Channel, they'd get worked up. But um, hmm. they, they, you know, almost explicitly made the... The New York Post published that two days before the event. Right. Okay. So, okay, so it was a couple of days before. Um, although that was... 15th, I don't know when the fire actually started, but... Um, I think it was on Wednesday. Yeah. It was the 15th, yeah. Okay, so two days later. So, uh, there you go. Uh, them cutting the cable caused the fire. Is that is that the conclusion we should draw? <laughs> well, it's, but this, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff about um, cable cutting, ships with cable cutting abilities. Of course, they're officially presented as ships with cable repair abilities, but obviously repair involves cutting and all that kind of stuff. The Israelis have it. There's was stuff from several years yeah. ago about internet outages and stuff where Israel... The Russians don't do that, but certain states do. The Israelis were accused of cutting cables, undersea cables for internet supply to Middle Eastern countries and stuff or putting in, not just cutting them, putting in taps so they could listen to undersea, uh, listen to internet traffic via a kind of vampire tap almost on, on undersea cables. So I just thought it was interesting that it came up at around the same time. Um, uh, as another example of how often or how easily Russia is blamed for any woes that beset the Western world, the Anglo-American Empire. Um, How long ago was Hurricane Ida? Three weeks? Mm. Late late August? Mm-hmm. Very end. Um, 
article on oilprice.com this week, almost a third of U.S. oil production still offline following Hurricane Ida. Right. Again, that's that's short term, and there you you know climate is climate change or just the fact that it was a hurricane. Whatever it doesn't matter. It means that there's another compounding factor. Yeah. In in the here and now that's causing these things. Um, another one from oilprice.com. The Biden administration is going to set up a committee to investigate why gas prices, and here is different to natural gas prices. This is American term gas, petrol stations, why it's costing so gasoline. much gasoline to fill people's cars, i.e. they don't know, and they themselves are surprised by it, you know. Um, Biden specifically mentioned price gouging as an effect of the pandemic. And again, that's not the pandemic, that's the lockdowns. Right. It's a foreseeable consequence when you stop things and restart that people are going to go, oh, okay, well, oh, so there's demand again. Well, pay me some more. Right. How much do you value it? You know, it's classical stuff. It's like when the EU switched to uh, the euro currency and then they were, everyone was surprised in the early 2000s that everything, inflation was effectively 150%. Yeah. Well, of course, you introduce something like that and then, you know, it's going to happen. It's human, it's human psychology 101. Um, at the same time, as this is going on, you've got to remember there's a counter pressure from above among the elites where they foresee that in nine years' time, we won't be using fossil fuels. Right. Now, they kind of put natural gas in brackets because it's kind of a, a clean substance, yeah. so that's not going to be considered. But we'll all be using that wind power. Wind when power there's, when there's no wind or stuff or something, but they include gas actually. Several it says here several um, House Democrats introduced a bill this week to mandate they're fond of those now mandate the Fed to ban banks from funding all fossil fuel projects wow. after 2030 hmm. and require large banks to align emissions financing with U.S. obligations under the Paris Climate Agreement. So. If you come back to what I was saying before about monopolies, as they see it, it's for the best. You know, it, it defies classic supply and demand because we know that greed kicks in, inefficiency, laziness. It's like, meh, I own the whole market. Everyone can just wait in the queues until I'm well, good and ready. Okay, but that's the most, that's the, let's say that's the negative interpretation of that. The positive interpretation, as they see it, the elites, is no, it's good that it's concentrated. Control, Wealth yeah. and power control. Because they like control. the population are as children and they need us mm -hmm. to need manage things for them, mm -hmm. to manage resources, mm -hmm. right? And make sure everyone gets a bit of something at least. Mm -hmm. So if you put the best spin on it, they're not in a hurry to do things as they were because, and here you get into, it's not a conspiracy theory, it's what they've been saying in our faces for the last two years, the Great Reset, Klaus Schwab's thoughts in just your revolution, yeah? Yeah. Stuff like this, where they're like, hold on, let's just not just quite go back to how it was before. We've got other great ideas, and we're going to fix all these problems at once. So, indeed, like they see the climate's gone kaflui, and for them, they have the grand ideas about what's causing it, and, of course, that they're going to step in to fix the problem. So they've got these kinds of ideas where, well, hang on, let's not quite rush back to fill in people's needs 
you know, we have other grander plans that take care of them in the future. Yeah. And so there's all that kind of stuff well, going on. You've, it's time. like once you've deprived people of, 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 a, of uh, once you've changed their behavior, changed the way they, they see and live their lives, well, you don't want to go back to it the way it was before because <clears throat> as a result of lockdowns, you've, you've instilled in people's minds, you know, uh, a sense of um, restriction of, 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 of not going out so much, not doing things, you know, through fear, basically. And that's good for them because... First and foremost, they want control, but they also say it from an economic perspective uh, in the sense of people shouldn't be consuming so much because there's this whole thing that many people, <clears throat> many the great and the good have, have um, voiced before now about there being too many people on the planet, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that's a conspiracy theory of uh, you know, depopulation and all that kind of stuff, but uh, they may not have depopulation ideas, but they certainly think, think that, that they should control the population in a way that they reduce their... Carbon footprint. Well, that's a, that's a euphemism for right. reduce how much they actually live life. And yeah. Reduce their freedom. Well, they're obsessed reduce, with sustainability. The planet won't sustain 8 billion people right. at the current consumption levels. Right. So they, We know they say people that. People need to be corralled, uh, kind of locked down to a certain extent, and, and their movement and their freedoms curtailed in order to, they say, save the planet. But you just go back to the original motivation of all people in positions of power is that they want control. And who's there to control on this planet other than human beings from the point of view of other human beings in positions of power? They want to control human beings because they like control. People just need to get that into their heads, you know what I mean? They need to get over this childish assumption that people in positions of power are always good. They're not. When you're in a position of power, you automatically, by definition, as being in a position of power, you see yourself as better, smarter, more capable than all the people below you who aren't in positions of power and your God-given, God-ordained right, therefore, or duty even, is to is to manage those people uh, and they're not as smart as you and, you know, you want to control them, but that becomes very quickly corrupted and you, they kind of get off, basically, on this sense of power and control over over people. Uh, it's not a, it's not rocket science, it's a very basic human psychology, even though it's pathologized, it's pathological human psychology, but that's what happens. Uh, and it's, it's, again, history books are, 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 are replete with, with examples of people in positions of power who, who become more and more corrupted. So, um, But yeah. nobody wants to believe that because, yeah. it's a, like we keep saying, it's a scary vision of the world and people can't do much about it. So they prefer to believe in the shiny, happy unicorns and bunny rabbits version of reality, you know. But that's very dangerous, <laughs> a very dangerous perspective to stick with because you're going to be led down the garden path to somewhere not very nice, you know. Um, but yeah. Um, we have been... You're, you're going? I was, something. No, I think that was, yeah. Well, how would you... How, how Cassandra like... Well, are we going to go with this? Because we've, we've, we've been at the kind of discussion of impending economic global yeah, catastrophe I, for I a long time. I think they, uh, that's what I was going to say actually before I went on that little rant there. I think they, it's not so much that they know or, or, or you know, want to, you know, solve all the problems. We'll take care of any, any climate change, any problems. You know, we need to do this in order to keep the world safe for everybody. Rather, they, there are people who are personal efficacious enough in amongst the so-called elite who know that the forces at work and at play here that are historic that you know historically have happened in a, in a cyclical way of basically climate change 
are way beyond our power to control mm -hmm. and that it's going to ultimately make the planet, uh, you know, in a certain sense for a while anyway, unlivable in many different ways for a lot of people. And uh, so they, they have, I don't think the ones who actually are, you know, in the know, they, they feign uh, this kind of uh, desire to care for and protect and solve problems, but they know that the problems that are that are coming down the pipeline are beyond their control, beyond their ability to 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 do anything about. It. And uh, they want to, I suppose, they want to maintain control of the population up to the point that they can't maintain control anymore. Um, and that that's that's the future. That's the most likely future. You know, um, when you talk about you know. Their 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 plant their you know the the wind there's not enough wind, do you know what I mean? If if they I mean their ideas of transitioning to all sustainable energy, all renewable energy, wind and solar, and then they see that you know you have this at least part of the the reason why you have a spike in energy prices and and serious problems potentially for energy supply for large parts of the of the world is caused by something as simple as the wind didn't blow hard enough this past six months. What are they going to do with that? I mean, that's what I'm saying. They are perspicacious enough to know that that's not something they can control. I mean, you can, the only argument against that is that they fool themselves, that they're lying to themselves, that they dismiss that, you know. But I think, you know, they're not that stupid in that respect and they do know, they can see clearly that that this is something that they don't have control over and they can't control and um, and they're just attempting to keep the population calm and quiet until they pacified. can't. Pacified. until they can't anymore. You know what I mean? They'd rather have people freak out uh, when there's no other option, when they have, when, when the reality is, is staring in the face, rather than them get wind of it and start to maybe try and take action themselves or something, trying to prepare themselves, uh, which would, by definition, mean a movement away from reliance on government and more on, on self-reliance. And they don't want people to move towards self-reliance. Um, they want them to maintain allegiance or dependence on, on on the elite until but that's a setup, you know, because there's a certain point that will come where the elite cannot anymore provide that security and safety uh, to the population and then then people will be left to their own devices. But they'll be entirely unprepared to be self sufficient because they've spent all this time believing that the government is going to take care of them, you know? It's one of the reasons why populism over the past number of years. And it's interesting, just in the past, what, how long has populism been really uh, the bête noire, bête noire of, uh, of, of Western politics? Well, five, six, since, five, since six Trump, years. since it actually bit. Or, yeah, a little bit before. Uh, and had some success. Before he became president. So four, mm. five, six years, whatever, you know. And pop, populism, by definition, is a, 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 an ideal or a belief or a system of a political movement, let's say, that tends to push reliance, self-reliance back on the population and away from government. It's exactly the opposite. It's right-wing populism. It's the opposite of left-wing uh, liberal, well, just left-wing, let's say, uh, values which are all about more government control, more more government uh, interference yeah. and, uh, more Collective security. and more dependence of the population yeah. on government. Populism tends to push that back on the population. So it's no, no surprise that populism has been demonized over the past number of years uh, because by the establishment, the ruling establishment in the West and by definition a lot of the world, uh, they demonize it because 
it implies a reduction in their control over the population. And the problem here is that it you'd think that if people were just if everybody was a kind of populist minded, they would just push back against that. But the problem is that at least half the population, if not more, tend to be people who prefer to have government or some authority take care of a lot of things, you know, the big things in their lives and also increasingly the smaller and smaller things in their lives. Uh, so the really ultimately the, the problem is in these, in these conditions in this, in, at this current time in, in history, the problem really comes down to the, that division, that fundamental division within the, the population and the, the fact, if you want to put a fine point on it, the fact that there are two different, roughly speaking, obviously it's a generalization, but you could break it down in a general, in a general way that there are two different types of people at a very fundamental core essence, whatever you want to call it, way um, that view life, view themselves and themselves in relation to life in very different ways. Uh, I've used the analogy before of, and maybe it sounds a bit pejorative, but the left-wingy type ones who want more government control over their lives are more like children to the more so-called right-wing populist people who want government out, as much government well, out of their lives as possible. That's exactly and, and more, how elites see it. They've written as much in their memoirs, if not outright, in any kind of public policy papers. They see it very much in, as themselves in a paternalistic role. Towards only a certain percentage of the population, though. maybe more than half, but certainly there's a big percentage of the population, I think, uh, at least in, in their nature, have would tend towards more self-reliance, have the ability, and they tend towards more self-reliance because they have the ability to be more self-reliant. Yeah. They're adults. Who are the adults in the room? The, uh, I mean, who, in the, uh, over the past 18 months, who, who have been the adults in the room in the world? You know, the ones who literally almost <laughs> peed their pants at the pronouncement by government of a, of a, of a deadly pandemic or the ones who went, hang on, what are you saying again, a pandemic? And, and what's your reason for calling a pandemic? And let me look at the details myself and let me see if what you're saying makes sense and look at, and then make their own decision. Or the ones who just took, you know, word for word, every single, every missive from, from the government and swallowed it and then acted on it. That, I mean, I think the analogy of adult to children, mm -hmm. adult to child is, is quite accurate. I mean, it's a reasonable, the, the responses of those two groups are, 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 are marked by the, a difference in maturity, effectively, and an ability to kind of like, you know, decide, make decisions for yourself rather than rely entirely on, on authority for, for, for what you should do when you should, you know, where should I go today? Well, how, can I leave my house today? What should I do? How, where should I wear a mask? What food should I eat today? Yeah. When should I go to bed? Yeah. So, yeah, and that's a problem. I mean, that, that division in humanity is always, I mean, it can, they can get on during good times, but during bad times, it becomes a problem. Uh, and especially during the times when there's a, when there's a kind of fairly corrupt pathological government in power that seeks to uh, exploit that uh, naivety or immaturity among certain sense of the population and not for their own good, then you, you create that division in society where you get one section of society dependent on you and the other, se other section of society saying, what are you doing? You're kind of being abusive. And ultimately it comes down to people fighting, which the elites are very happy about, people fighting amongst themselves. And, and I mean, the analogy of ch child to adult only goes so far because a lot of these children are very erudite and, you know, they have adult intellects and they can can be quite... Uh, and they have qu positions be, of authority. They have positions of authority, which is even worse, yeah. 
so it's yeah, it's a it's a full bar. It's a effed up beyond all recognition scenario that that is brewing. Yeah, you know, um, I think. But I think when is it gonna come to a head, Joe? Well, when is there get, a is there a moment, or is this just gradually? I think you're going breaking to see, down here and there, or I think you're going to see more of what we've just been showing here in the headlines more and more over this winter, over you know October, November, December, January, January, February, five of the next three to six months. You're going to see more and more of what we've just been showing you, louder and louder, more vociferous uh, in, in the media, and uh, and then the, the actual evidence of that manifesting in terms of uh, empty food shelves probably this winter in different countries, not everywhere now, and even in, within countries in different parts of different countries. Blackouts. Blackouts, um, or people not being able to pay, struggling to pay their their electricity bill or their gas bill. And it being cut off. And maybe it being cut off, yeah. And uh, more and more people relying on food banks, and then food banks running out of food, and, <laughs> and then people really being stuck. I mean, at that point, what happens? Government has to come in and start... Well, this is where... Getting into the, into the stockpile... Uh, hangers of, of food and start distributing them. I mean, that's not, it's not an impossibility. You could, you could see that in certain areas, you know what I mean? Government deliveries of food to people. Yep, happened in World War II, yep. Ex- express rations. And they did say at the beginning of this, it's going to be like World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, I, as mad as government is these days with their mandates and their... They're missives to follow the science, which they're making up on the hoof because, oh, suddenly it's three boosters. Well, no, four. We're not sure. We don't know. Shut up. Um, I I can see them successfully being able to patch the holes as they go along because I think part of their vested interest in, in keeping this gravy train going is that that situation where there is no food for a sustained period means food riots, which means a problem that you talk about when everything is totally gone crazy, but it means it's preemptively, it's happening, it's um, a little early, so to speak. It's earlier than than is impossible to actually deal with. Yeah. Well, Uh, what I'm thinking is that they will actually be able to keep people relatively happy with the bread and circuses right up to a point where there is a shock, an economic shock that they can't do anything about. Think this scenario, the scenes we saw in uh, the U.S. Northeast recently from the hurricanes, that level of intense flooding plus what happened in Germany, but happening in 10 places simultaneously. Mm. And as much as they would like to make sure there's a redistribution of basic goods to meet some basic needs and not have food riots, they won't actually be able to. Hmm. Well, then I don't think they're mutually exclusive. You're, right. you're, you know, I'm talking. I'm not talking about, you know, this winter every supermarket being empty of food. I'm talking yeah. about spotily in different places. People reporting more and more that the supermarket shelves are empty in my local supermarket. You know what I mean? And I mean, it's it's very complex and very diverse in terms of. You know the, the way the whole thing's set up, and, and 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 the different companies that supply, and whether they can get you know product in order to supply supermarkets, etc. So I, I just think you'll see more and more of what we've been talking about over this winter, leading to who knows what. 
I mean, sure, I think something else would have to come in to maybe tip tip it over the edge, and that's you know kind of set up as well from from the climate point of view. You could have that, but um, it's for, it's an unknown, and I think nobody knows. It's not possible to predict it yeah. exactly. You know what I mean? But you can just talk about general trends, you know. But you mentioned Fauci. Did you mention Fauci? No, you mentioned the pandemic anyway. Um, and since we're talking about Fauci, I just want to big put a shout out to the uh, U.S. Justice Department. <laughs> we're waiting. Uh, but on that, uh, give him a notable, he, he was in the news recently. Again, well, when is he ever out of it? But on that, uh, oh, I think he, I just sent He is the M. news, Joe. Saint Fauci. Uh, how to protect children under 12 from COVID-19, according to Fauci. Sorry, that's a week ago. She's, ten she's days yeah, he's changed. No, just go down. That's some other dude talking oh. about talking a lot of nonsense, right there. So, Fauci, how do we protect our children who are too young to be vaccinated against COVID nineteen? Quote: The way you protect children who, because of their age, cannot get vaccinated yet, is to surround the children, be it friends, family, school t- teachers, personnel in the school, surround the children with vaccinated people. Okay. Does that sound he's got, like he's got an agenda at all? To get people vaccinated. Surround uh, your children with vaccinated people. I, everybody else has to get vaccinated. I mean, I know right, it's only a small right, point that he's ne- he never shuts up about vaccinating people, but it's just I just thought it was funny the way he said, surround your children with vaccinated people. Uh, until we can vaccinate them, of course, uh, which we're planning to do. Um, yeah. But overall, <clears throat> I just want to say, what people, if we ask the question of what people do, apart from like paying attention, as we're doing, and uh, keeping an eye on what's going on and, you know, taking, taking action now in advance of any serious situation where you'd, you don't want to find yourself in. We are, we are rushing with everybody else or a lot of other people to do the same thing. You want to do those kind of things in advance. And we're talking specifically, I suppose, about, you know, putting some food away. Uh, could get you f- through a few months, maybe if you can get a small generator or something like that. I mean, you know, it's not a big outlay. And while you can, while you can get generators, uh, I would say, uh, as well, because like we're talking about, there's a lot of a lot of supply problems for many different things, and uh, uh, construction supplies and, and generators and that kind of thing. Or you know, check it out yourself to see if how, how easy it is to get a small generator that would run even half your house for for a few weeks or something like that. But apart from that, I think the thing, a lesson or an example people can take from. An example people can take is from that guy in, there's a guy in Australia. I don't know if people saw the video recently of protests in Melbourne. The rugby protesting? There was protests in Melbourne, you probably saw them, of people breaking through a police line. And it was all very chaotic and people, police were spraying people and spraying old women on the ground with pepper spray, pepper foam spray in the face. But somebody slowed down the video in that whole melee of, of, of people breaking through the police line and uh, and saw one guy who I think should be nominated for a Nobel Prize in uh, in protesting or something like that. Um, if you just want to put it up there, Scotty, uh, I think this guy, he der- deserves an honourable shout-out. Go back to the beginning. This guy. Boom. So everybody else is like running just to break through the police line, but he has a different agenda. He's going after the cops. Watch this. Boom. 
So he already punched one. He floored another, and he grabs this guy around the neck. Boom. Everybody else is trying to get through, and he's, like, going after the cops, you know, uh, which was awesome, I thought. Boom. That's what happens when you don't let people play amateur sports for 18 months. <laughs> In Australia, they need to play rugby now and then. If you don't let them play yeah, rugby... He, yeah, he's yeah. a frustrated rugby player. Boom. But he did a really good job because he took out like three cops that would have been standing in the way of those people getting through, you yeah. know, and he just kind of floored three of them. Look, yeah, he's part of the reason that happened. Yeah. By the way, the, the, few people know the story about the, the protest in Melbourne. Uh, I watched a very detailed rundown of events. Um, the people who organized it were pains to point out that the headline you're seeing is only that rush where they broke through a police line. Mm -hmm. That was at the very end of the day. It was an overwhelmingly peaceful protest. It was enormous. Mm -hmm. What happened was proceedings ended and people left in groups and the police stalked them because the groups were now smaller, much smaller. Right. They followed them in numbers to certain neighborhoods of which that was one street and then tried to kettle them from behind and in front. You've nowhere to go now. And there was a long standoff where they said, let us out. We're going Leave us alone. Yeah. You know, the only way they could get out of the kettle was, was to the, do that. Through the line of pepper spray cops. Yeah. So that was actually forced on them as a tactic, a police tactic. Yeah. I just think there should be more of that kind of, more of that in, in protests, you know. Um, if you're going to go to a protest, uh, I would go and it'd be, not all the time, but I'd be looking for opportunities to, uh, <laughs> to do that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, maybe I'm giving too much away there, but my history of protesting, but uh, uh, that's what I'd be doing. Uh, yeah, you don't tempt me to say what I do. I'd, yeah, I know. <laughs> we don't want to talk about that. Anyway, um, we, yeah. We, so we can't condone violence because blah, blah, but you know. Blah, blah, blah. But you know. But you know, right between the lines. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so I suppose what we're saying... And what we've said already well, You is asked what, me seriously, Paul, what do people do? I mean, well, you suggested mm. it. You know, look around, try and get... Well, what do you think of the thing about, like, should they get out of cities? I mean, I, I thought that was pretty obvious to us. But we know, we still know people who still live in urban it, areas. It doesn't matter. It, not that it doesn't matter if you're, you're in a city. What matters is if, as we're, well, we've been talking about, the supermarkets in your local area, city can be quite big, and in your, like, in a one-mile radius of where you live, if it looks like it might go in the direction or there's any hints that it might go in the direction of, of there being food, food, um, food shortages. shortages in your local supermarkets. Well, then make sure that if and when that happens, you're not in the middle of a crowd of desperate, angry people right. all trying to get the last loaf of bread or piece of meat or whatever it is. So it's very simple. I mean, you, just because you're in a city doesn't... If you're in a city and, and you're in that situation, it's bad because you have large numbers of people in a very small area all competing for very finite resources and they're gone very quickly and people get desperate. You can live in the same city, in the same area and just not have to be involved in that because you've taken some preparation beforehand and you're in your, in your cupboard, in your larder, under your bed, whatever. You've got enough food to avoid that and it may only be a short-term thing but you just don't want to be in that in that position you know what i mean uh, it may it may last longer i mean there's all you have to do you mentioned hurricanes before like hurricane sandy mm -hmm. uh there were people in, in a pretty bad pretty bad way in, in, in during uh, 
right after Hurricane Sandy, where they were like they were basically blocked. They were they were locked off into their area. Basically, they, they almost couldn't get out, and all the stores were gone, and they couldn't actually travel because roads were flooded and stuff. And they had to have food delivered to them. You know what I mean? So it's um, it's it's a kind of it's happened before. I mean, in in different ways, where like natural natural disasters, whatever climate change, whatever you want to call it, where people were in similar positions and. Uh, it would have made all the difference if people had been prepared for something like that. And we're saying that there's no evidence. I mean, you can't really prepare for that kind of a hurricane or something like that because you know you can't predict in advance and where it's going to hit and the effect it's going to cause. But we're talking now about the mainstream media even itself is warning people. And I know they've warned people before in this kind of thing. You may be able to dig up articles from years ago where people said there was also energy, energy uh, spikes in energy prices or energy crises or... Uh, uh, you know, uh, blackouts, whatever, or, or you yeah. know, food supply problems and stuff. But they have it's been. a different context, we yeah. think, this time. And the chances of this being developing into something more serious are higher. So if you ever thought about, you know, putting some food away and putting some, getting a generator or something, and you always put it off because you thought, well, it's not really going to happen. That's kind of catastrophic thinking. I'm not going to get caught up in that. We, we would suggest that if you ever thought about that and and didn't do it then, because you didn't think it was it was necessary, and you proved and you were proved right. Well, then now there's you know you have more reason to take to, to think twice about it and maybe take the plunge this time. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's more of a more of a risk this time that of, of it developing into something more serious than in previous occasions that are similar. Because this occasion is not the same as previous occasions it might look like it on the surface but it's not because there is a whole context of the last 18 months and the year-on-year increase in uh, and worsening of uh, kind of environmental or weather kind of serious weather anomalies or serious weather patterns hitting different areas and they can hit pretty quickly so um, yeah just be prepared if you're ever going to be prepared now's the time to decide to be prepared I think I think we can safely say that without sounding too uh, alarmist. And you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to freak out. Just do do something. Do enough. You're the calmest Cassandra ever. Yeah. It'll all be fine, like. But you just got to be smart. You don't want to get yourself... It's easy to get yourself into a really bad situation that you could have avoided with very little effort. Yeah. And you don't want to regret the fact that you didn't put in a little bit of effort to avoid a, a pretty bad situation that can snowball once you're in it you know and you can avoid it completely just by taking small measures to to repair good okay so that's all we have to say on that topic for this week uh it's watch this space uh you know things will develop over the next over the winter like we said keep an eye on everything and also keep an eye on this channel and like and smash all the buttons at once and uh and and we'll see what happens and um yeah thanks for watching thanks for commenting hope you enjoy the show we'll be back uh, next week with another one on another topic thanks for listening see everyone they're watching you can't stop the signal now